Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. Like many of you, we're stuck inside a long time due to the weather. It was about 11 days from my family, which felt like 11 years. You think you had a hard time dealing with your spouse? Well, add a few more in there. That's what I had to deal with, and they had to deal with me. But it feels good to be out and about again. And since we didn't have church last week, I've had more time to let this passage from the Sermon on the Mount sit with me, and it's really been really messing with me in a good way. And I want to tell you something kind of up front that you may have not thought about before. But when we talk about Christians living a holy life, walking in holiness, that also includes the way you treat people, including difficult people. And what Jesus says this morning is interacting with difficult people. And the way you engage them displays walking in holiness. And this has been a challenging word for me. I mean, do you see some of the things we just talked about that were just read? Unbelievable. And as we start to walk through these things, believe it or not, Jesus wants us to live this way. This is not just for the radical Christians or those who are on fire for Jesus. This is supposed to be for all Christians, the way we interact and deal with people, even difficult people. And so this morning, we're going to talk about speaking the truth. We're going to talk about self-sacrifice. And lastly, we're going to talk about loving our enemies. So let's start out with truth speaking. Look at Matthew Chapter 5, we'll start in verse 33. Again, you have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. Now, what's happening here is Jesus is condensing a number of Old Testament verses concerning oaths to sum up the common teaching of the day. When someone took an oath in the name of the Lord, then they were to do it. This is not a bad thing. But the religious leaders of the day turned it into this detailed oath-taking system where some oaths were not as serious as other oaths. And in fact, their oath-taking was a cover-up for their deceit and not following through. So normal speech couldn't be trusted. So you had to trick it out with these oaths in order to cover up deceit. And then look what Jesus thinks about that. Look at verse 34. But I say to you, make no oaths at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, 
or by the earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. The religious leaders of the day thought that if they could make an oath with something other than God, then they could wiggle out of their oaths. But Jesus shows you that any oath that you're making, any swearing that you're making, comes back to God because he's behind everything. So don't swear by heaven. Why not? Well, that's God's throne. It's not your false claims to authorization. And he says, don't swear by earth. Well, that's God's footstool. It's not your truth or lie game. And don't swear by Jerusalem, for that's the city of the great king, and you have no claim to authority and power. And don't swear by your head, because the only God has authority to make one hair white or black. (laughs) Now you think about kids these days. Cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye if I'm not telling the truth, right? And adults are like, you know, they swear by God or they swear by someone's grave. And Jesus is like, stop all that stuff and just speak the truth. And the way he puts it is in verse 37. He says, but make sure your statement is yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond these is of evil. You don't need word drama. You don't need to cover up your speech. That doesn't mean you can't go to a court of law and take an oath. I mean, Jesus testified under oath, right? And Paul took a a variety of oaths. It's not talking about that. It's talking about don't try to trick your speech out in such a way where you're not speaking the truth. If you say you're going to call someone, call them. If you say you're going to pray for someone, pray. If you say you're going to show up, show up. And it's very interesting that I'm preaching that this week when I had a week filled with people saying one thing and then not falling through. It was driving me crazy. It was driving my wife crazy too. We were going crazy. But we waited for a long time to get one of our daughters into the doctor. There's this one specific doctor. We were so ready for her to see. And we show up there and another doctor walks in. And we're like, what's up? Like, oh, yeah, we just kind of had to rearrange things. I'm like, what? Someone told me, I take the car in and say, it's just going to take a couple of hours. It took all day. Like, well, you told me a couple of hours. Well, you know. People said they would call me back. They didn't call me back. And that happened twice this week. I'm like, what? Do we just say stuff? That's kind of the world we live in. We just say stuff. Yeah, yeah, sure. I'll just say stuff. But not believers. We're supposed to say stuff and then follow through and then do it, right? And if you start meaning what you say, you will be distinct and stand out from the world because the way the world operates, at least here in Arkansas, (laughs) I know it's everywhere, but they just say stuff and there's no follow through. But we are to be those who speak the truth and then follow through and do it. Yes, yes, no, no. Speak the truth. All right, we can do that. We can do that, I think. So far, so good. Not so much where we're going now. Let's keep going. Verse 38. You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth. Well, the point of this Old Testament law was to restrain excessive retaliation. So if someone uh, gets their tooth knocked out, then there's no reason to cut off their arm. In fact, uh, payback was to play out 
personally and not to play out personally, but legally. So, you know, tooth, tooth, eye, eye. And you would deal with it in the court of the law. And what Jesus was kind of bringing this up is like, it wasn't about personal revenge. It wasn't about retaliation. It wasn't about this vicious cycle. And then Jesus is going to take it somewhere else because he's going to talk about personal relationships. So not only, okay, eye, eye, tooth, tooth, look where he takes it. Verse 39, but I say to you, do not show opposition against an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other toward him also. Now, I want to be be real quick. This is not talking about domestic abuse. It's not. And it's not even necessarily talking about bullies on uh, the the playground, that type of thing. It's, It's talking about a slap of an insult, and, and the typical response of the day, if someone slaps you, well, you, you, you slap them back. And, and if someone cusses at you, then you, you cuss back at them. But, but Jesus is saying, no, no, let's do this. Let's not resist an evil person. So if someone insults you, cusses at you, slaps you, then you turn the other cheek. And you go, well, what good is that going to do? But when you turn the other cheek, it, it disarms you, right? Because if you're turning the other cheek, you're not going to retaliate. You're going to say, okay to back off. I'm not going to retaliate. And you know what else it does? It, it tends to disarm them. You can think about Martin Luther King Jr. and his peaceful protest. It disarms them. But it also leaves room for the wrath of God. You ever read those verses in the Bible that want you to pull back from your wrath to leave room for God's wrath? Those are in the Bible. I just got to share one with you. Romans 12, 17 and 20. Repay no one evil for evil. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Jesus did that. Remember when he was being tortured on the cross and Isaiah 50 verse 6 says, I gave my back to those who strike, my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. That is the response of our Lord. No striking back, no taunting, no hit backs, nothing. And we are called to follow in his footsteps. But then Jesus takes it to another extreme. Look at verse 40. Not only are you to turn the cheek, but if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Now, if someone was sued and want a settlement for their tunic, that is their clothes, then go ahead, give them your coat as well. Now, I want you to understand something here. In the court of law, they could not require a permanent relinquishment of the cloak or the coat because the poor, that was like their shelter or their their sleeping bag. But the kingdom follower says, all right, you can have my clothes, you can have my coat, you can have my cloak, And the idea is that this puts you in a completely vulnerable position where you're completely dependent upon God and you are to go above and beyond your rights. I know we like to fight for our rights, but this is like going above and beyond your rights, throw out the generosity, give it whatever it takes to make amends with an adversary. My brothers and sisters, this is supposed to be radical the normal radical for the believer. If you're having issues with a difficult person, you are to be the one who bends. 
You excited about that? You are to be the one that breaks and say, okay, let's talk. Let's give in. I, I will come more your way than you're coming mine. We don't think that way, right? At least we want to say, meet us in the middle. It's like, no, I'll come your way. Like if you're having a problem with someone and it's like 1% you and 99% them, you're supposed to keep going. Just, let's just keep pressing. I'll keep coming your way. I'll come your way. I'll come close to you. I will bend. I will bend. Look what else Jesus says. Verse 41. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Now, this one is interesting because the Romans, did you know this, could force a Jew to help carry some load for up to one mile. Think about the Romans forcing Simon of Cyrene to carry Jesus' cross. And the Jews hated the occupation of the Romans and doubly hated being forced into serving them. And Jesus calls his followers to go with them two miles. This is not a friend. This is an enemy. Talk about self-sacrifice and serving others. Why would we go above and beyond serving others who are against us? Because when we are serving others, we're doing exactly what God has done and serving even us who, who was against him. We're imitating him. So you can just think about, for those of you who are employed, which is probably none of you anymore, but so for some of you, you are employed, your boss asks you to do something, take it to another level. Do even more. For those of you who are children and your parents ask you to do something, take it to another level. Go even further. I'll just take it even further. And for those that you are serving, maybe those who are over you in some capacity, take it even further. I will continue to bend. I will continue to serve. I will continue to love. I'll continue to sacrifice my time and my energy to take it even further to love you. Jesus says in verse 42, Give to him who asks of you, and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. Now, this one causes the most trouble for me, maybe for you too. It's saying if someone wants to borrow from us or begs from us, then we should willingly give it to them. And if you're already turning the other cheek, and if you're already giving away your coat and going the extra mile, then what's the big deal by helping someone who needs your help? It should be normal. Now, of course, you need discernment because the Bible also says, you know, you don't work, you don't eat. This is not a verse for you to enable your grown child financially. It's not what it's talking about. I'm talking about that at all. But it is talking about that you must be willing to give to those who are in need. We're not focused on ourselves. We're not focused on our needs, but we're seeking the welfare of others. And I believe that we can live this way because this is exactly what Jesus did for us. We were begging in our sin. We were lost. And Jesus moved toward us. He redeemed us. He saved us. A sacrifice on the cross filled us with his spirit. Now we're to move toward others in a sacrificial way. We are to bend. We are to be open with our hands and willingly give generously. Jesus continues on. This is some hard-hitting stuff. He says, you have heard that it said, verse 43, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, the Old Testament said, love your neighbor. That's what the Old Testament said. And the leaders taught that the extended version was, hate your enemies. That's not the teaching of the Old Testament. 
But the teaching of the day stirred up many in vicious cycles of hate. And when you hate someone, just seeing them or hearing about them can start you spiraling out of control. So how do you break out of this cycle of hating someone? Uh, let me help you out before we even go into further. How do you break out of this cycle of hating those who you disagree with politically? Is that better for you now? Are you with me now? Okay. All right, let's keep going, all right? Verse 44. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This is similar to another place where Jesus teaches that your neighbor you're supposed to love includes your enemy. Your neighbor who you're supposed to love includes your enemy. Don't be that guy or that girl. Says, Jesus, can you please tell me who my neighbor is? Not a good question. He's already answered that, by the way, the whole Good Samaritan story. Yeah, your neighbor's even that one that you hate. Yeah, that's the one you're supposed to love and, and to serve. The one that's your most hostile enemy. Yeah, love that person and pray for that person. If you have problem with people, even politically, if you can't even turn on the TV without going nuts, start praying for that person. Watch your heart and your disposition change toward them, whether it's on TV or in person. Pray for that difficult person, even that one who may be hostile and against you. Think about Jesus on the cross, put there by his enemies. What does he say? Luke 23, 34, and Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. This is supposed to be normal for believers. We are to pray for our enemies, those who are against us, difficult people. We are to pray for them, move toward them. We're the ones who bend and are open. Jesus explains the rationale in verse 45. So that you may prove yourselves to be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. Sins reign on the righteous and the unrighteous. Think about last night. Think of all the wickedness and evil that happened in this world last night. Think about it, all across the globe. And yet Jesus, the Father, still causes the sun to rise and says, here, you can have this sun. Still sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Still blessing those. And if that's the way our, our father can do that, those of us who are followers of Jesus and he, we have been reconciled to God, our father, we are to treat people the same way that our father does. Almost like, like father, like son. Takes it to another level. Verse 46 for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Even the Gentiles do the same. Jesus is calling us as followers to go above and beyond the way the world functions. 
Even the despised tax collectors can love those who love them. Even the pagan Gentiles, Gentiles know how to greet those who are con- they are connected with. There is no special heavenly favor by loving those who love you, <laughs> those who greet you. He's calling us to go above and beyond, that we are supposed to be a distinct people who are set apart in these radical norms of the kingdom, and that means that we are supposed to love those who even hate us. We're to move towards those who may dog us, cuss at us, despise us, we're to love them. If our Father can send rain and sun upon his enemies, think about what we can do by his grace to our enemies. So I'm going to just throw this question out to you. I want you to first just think about, think about someone in your life right now. Think about someone in your life who is really difficult. And if you can't think about someone, guess who the difficult person is? <laughs> Okay, think about someone in your life who's really difficult, all right? Now, I'm going to share this with you. Uh, this is what Michael Wilkins, he's an author, has said this. This is where we're to our stance toward them. He says, I define love as unconditional commitment to an imperfect person in which I give myself to bring the relationship to God's intended purpose. I'm going I'm to read it again. I define love as an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person in which I give myself to bring the relationship to God's intended purpose. So God has put difficult people in your life. And one of the reasons is that God wants to use you to bring that relationship to his intended purpose. And Wilkins adds this question. He says, what does God want for this relationship? And how can I best give myself to bring it about? What does God want for this relationship And how can I best give myself to bring it about? That includes every relationship from those close to us and those who are enemies. Ask what God wants and how you can bring it about in imitation of your father. And this brings us to Jesus' last statement, verse 48. Therefore, you shall be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. This is no different than the calls in the Bible that say, be holy, for I am holy. And we tend to think of holiness, like if I asked you, are you living a holy life? You would probably tell me something like, well, I try not to, I don't know, get drunk or I try to read my Bible and go to church. But if you've ever thought about holiness in terms of, oh yeah, turn the other cheek, how are you doing with that? How are you doing praying for your enemies? How are you doing serving difficult people in your life? How are you doing bending toward those who are against you? How are you doing with that? See, that's also included in be holy as I am holy. That's also included in be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. God has called us to act in certain ways that imitate him. And he has filled us with his spirit in order to do these things, to bring these relationships to God's intended purpose. So take that person that you may have been thinking about. I'm gonna ask you, 
what can you do as far as it depends upon you, as far as what's in your control, what can you do to bring that relationship as to God's intended purpose as best as you can? What are your action steps that would cause you to bend, that would cause you to move toward them when that's the last thing you want to do? What is your part? My brothers and sisters, that may sound impossible. That may sound challenging. But as I think about my person who I have difficulties with, I think it is a daily showing up and keep moving and keep bending and keep moving and keep bending and keep praying and keep praying and keep praying and keep praying. And then I think about how difficult I've been to God and he kept moving toward me and moving toward me and moving. In fact, the Bible says that when I was an enemy, he's moving toward me, offering grace and forgiveness and mercy. And he kept moving my way. And it was 100% my problem. And he came all the way. And he bent down and he came, lived the perfect life so that I can know him through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And now you are called to move and bend and pray toward those in imitation of your father. Let's pray. Father, you have secured our lives by sending your son to die on the cross. And we, while still sinners, Christ died. While enemies, Christ died. You moved, you bent. Jesus, you came for us. And we look at your teaching, Jesus, and we say, this is impossible. But with you, with your mercy, with your power, it is possible. And Lord, so many of us want to fight for our rights. We want to retaliate. And if, if you're like me, Lord, the people in here, if they're like me, they know we want to blame shift. We want to justify. We want to explain, explain, explain why we have to do something that's going to hurt someone else, ignore someone else, diss someone else. So Lord, I just ask you would help us this morning to put all of our excuses aside and start to move toward that difficult person that we need to love. To not dress up our fancy words, to not try to make ourselves look better, to not explain that it's 99% them and only 1% up, but just to bend, to be broken, to be vulnerable, to move toward them. And we can't do this without you, Lord, because it seems impossible. And so we're asking for your help, for your grace, and for your mercy. And show us how to be perfect, how to walk in holiness, how to be holy as you are holy. And we're asking this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided 
by God's Word.